everyone. It's Matt Bloomfield at Wickham Wanderers and you're listening to Wickham Sound. The Wickham Wanderers Show. Grimmer can't release the ball down the uh, middle. Butch, Butcher was in acres of space. Kone wins Find it him. back. Kone well finally done. finds Butcher. Butcher edge of the penalty area. Goes for goal! Yes! Matt yes! Butcher for Wickham Wanderers in injury time. He was in acres Let's of space. Go! They finally found Let's him. Go! Matt Butcher with his first goal for the club. Left footed. Drilled it into the bottom corner. And Wickham Wanderers a minute away from Wembley. Still time though. There you go. Let's meet that. Meet it. Still time for Bradford. Right on the left wing for Bradford now. Crosses low. Strick, great save. Ball into the near post. Strick got down low. There if he wasn't man of the match 30 seconds ago, he is now. He definitely is now. 96 Boys, minutes. Matt Bluefield, a year yes! to the day since taking the job, has steered the chair boys to a Wembley final. April the 7th, Wickham Wanderers will take on Peterborough United at the home of football. A great anniversary for the gaffer, a great night for Wickham Wanderers. Closing stages from last night up at Bradford uh, being described by uh, Phil, who we'll hear from again in a moment, and Beverly Labala, of course, providing some excellent co-commentary. Uh, welcome to this week's Wickham Wanderer Show. Uh, more on tonight's Bristol Street Motors semi-final win. Uh, a 1-0 victory, of course, a goal in stoppage time, if you you haven't heard uh, setting up a final on April the 7th against Peterborough United at Wembley also in this hour we'll hear from Matt Cecil a bit later on the club's head of media and marketing it's fan club uh, talking a bit about some behind the scenes coverage from last night as well up at Valley Parade and uh, good news he didn't slip over uh, as he did uh, the, the previous visit as well it was quite quite muddy uh, also thanks to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association we'll catch up with Chris Vinnikin and get his thoughts and memories of course with the uh, FA Cup quarterfinals approaching next week uh, it'd be great to reminisce with him about that run in 2001 can't believe it's 20 years ago that uh, he left the club uh, after uh, Tony Adams not long after Tony Adams took over uh, thanks to uh, Wickham Wanderers women we'll hear from Erin Patterson as well who's uh, broken through uh, from the under 23s into the first team uh, as a centre back slash left back as well uh, but first let's catch up with Phil and of course uh, one of the uh, uh, big issues as raised in last night's commentary was uh, has he found out what the uh, traffic light system above the tunnel means I didn't you know what I asked a lot of people in in Bradford, sort of uh, coats and stuff, who looked like they they knew what they were doing and, and worked there, and no one could tell me why there's a, a set of traffic lights above the tunnel at Valley Parade. But it's very much green lights for Wickham Wanderers in the Bristol Street Motors Trophy after last night. It's very very exciting. You mentioned coats actually. Uh, that seemed to be uh, the reason for a booking for Luke Leahy as well. <laughs> yes, a yellow card for drying the ball on a steward's coat. Yeah, because towels have been banned pitch side this season in the new laws of the game this uh, for this campaign, uh, and that also extends to um, to coats. Uh, to be honest with you, um, we'll have to ask Luke about this next time he's in the studio. But I've not worn a steward's coat, but they don't look particularly sort of absorbent. Um, I can't imagine much drying would have been done on the, on the coat. Uh, but either way, uh, it helps some seconds and. Um, and he got a yellow card. But fortunately, uh, not enough yellow cards at this stage of the tournament to rule him out of the final, which is um, very important. No, absolutely. Uh, but, but really, really pleasing, obviously, to, to get the result. Not the best of performances, very tricky conditions. But, you know, for a team which seems to be known recently for conceding late goals, fantastic to score one. Yeah, a 91st minute winner in a cup semi-final is, uh, is great, isn't it? And look, we've had some heartbreak on the road up north this season. Late goals, um, Wigan. 
Barnsley, there's two. Um, I mean, Bolton was a, a late second, but um, and we got an even later consolation. But um, you know, late goals have, have, have hurt us at home as well. So to to not play well um, and get the win was hugely important. I think last night, especially in a cup competition, of course, uh, and it gives the club, the fans, the town um, a day, hopefully, to remember at Wembley Stadium. But you know. I think talking to the gaffer afterwards, um, you could see, you know, he felt that I think maybe we needed that little bit of luck at some point in this season. And and uh, we've been unlucky at times. And, you know, he works hard. I think he understands he makes his own luck. But it was great to speak to the gaffer just after the full-time whistle. Yeah, I would have liked to have done it with a bit of a better performance, if I'm honest. But to win the game and take us to Wembley is... It's an incredibly proud moment, you know, because um, everyone's known how much I love this club and to lead us, uh, to be a manager here is is incredible for me personally. But to be able to take our fans and our players to, to Wembley and be that leader there, I'm so chuffed, so pleased. Uh, you mentioned there the performance, but sometimes in cup football, the performance doesn't matter. It, it's the scoreline. You've often talked about the performance being there at times this season and the results not being there. Today it was the opposite. Absolutely, it was, and that's the honesty from the from me. I always try and say it how I see it. Um, there's been moments this year, and I've spoken to so many experienced managers who've told me, you know, these things even themselves out, and um, you'll get the, the luck back at times. And they say you earn your luck. I think the, the resilience the boys have shown, the willingness to bounce back from, we've taken some tough knocks, and they've kept going. They've believed in what we're trying to do. And I thought there was some real good defensive performances tonight. Obviously, I'd have loved to have come and, and played the way we've been recently, but to win the game and get to Wembley is all that matters. The pitch, let's talk about it. We're, we're sinking as we speak on the on the corner of this pitch. Yep. You bounded out of the tunnel before yep. kickoff and said, let's play this game. Yep, absolutely. But, you know, I, I knew I knew in, in the back of my mind that it was going to cause us a problem. I knew that it, you know they were going to be more used to it than what we were because we're really fortunate with Adams Park. It's one of the best pitches in the in the league and I knew it was going to be an issue to us but I didn't want to show any that to the boys because I wanted us to approach it with the with the respect the tie deserved and I wanted us to you know approach it head on um, it's actually a pitch I'd have loved to have been out there with the boys tonight and really getting stuck in um, but yeah it is what it is um, there's nothing we could have done about that it wouldn't have changed if we come back in a couple of weeks just would have added to the fixture schedule I wanted to get the job done tonight and I'm really pleased we have sometimes when you're away from home and the crowd as well adding to it bad pitch Max Strick really pulled, pulled us out of it at times tonight. Absolutely he did. He made some great saves. You know, I think we've seen over his nearly two seasons here that he's got that ability to go and make those saves. Um, you know, and um, like I say, I'm, I'm pleased for Maxine because he's had a couple of tough moments this year and he's really bounced back the last couple of months. I feel like his performances have, have really improved. Um, so as a group, to share that moment with them in there, you know, that's why we all do what we do. It's the drug that you can't, uh, you can't put down because when you get to share those moments with people that you, you love and respect so much, it's incredible. Um, got to be really pleased with that. Some great contributions from the bench, but none more so than Matt Butcher. That's some first goal for your club. Yeah, he's. Um, yeah, I think he's first and foremost. He's very us. Wickham. He's very Wickham. He's such a, a proper person. Team before self at all times. As soon as he became available, I got a couple of real good references from people I know extremely well and trust their opinions. And and I just felt like it 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 suited both parties. You know, he's been really really good for us. Found, finds himself really unfortunate off the back of the amount of minutes he's played off not playing at Plymouth to miss out in the last two games. But to come on and have that kind of impact, you know, to to have him. Um, Skull and Potts Luke he's gone in midfield as well tonight at the end there and you know we're really fortunate in that area it's an incredible competition for places and it was a great finish from Butch so um, yeah real good guy uh, he's going to be a real good player for this football club Injury time winner in front of the 286 fans who travelled here as well in bad conditions it doesn't get sweeter than that does it? It doesn't no because you know you know 
we've all been there. We've had some tough moments, those late goals that have really hurt us at times this season. And we've had to take the knocks and you have to bounce back and you have to find that resilience and character to keep going because, at, at, you know, professional football, you do have tough moments. So to share that with our supporters, with the, like I say, with my staff, not my staff, our staff, um, the group of people we have, the lads in the change room who have never doubted, just stuck to the, what we've known where we're going. There's still a lot of work to go, but yeah, to have a night like tonight is extremely special, mate. There's a lot of league football to play before Wembley on the 7th of April, but what's it going to feel like to lead Wickham Wanderers out as a manager? You've been there as a player. What's it going to be like as a manager? It's the kind of stuff dreams are made of, isn't it? Because, you know, I was very fortunate to go there as a player, as a captain, as a coach. To be manager, you know, I saw the gaffer before do it a couple of times and the pride that it filled him with and the pride that it will fill me with. The only thing I know is that it's the best place to win, but it's the worst place to lose. So we have to go there and enjoy it, but look to go and win. We've also got lots of work to do before then, lots of league games that we need to go and get points from, we want to go and get points from. So I need to calm them lot down and get them recovering because we've got a big game at Stevenage on Saturday. Really pleasing for him uh, to hear from him, and also really pleasing that you know it happened to fall on, on the, the the one year anniversary of him taking charge. And really interesting that he said there as well that he came sort of bouncing out of the tunnel and really wanted the game to go ahead. Yeah, um, you know I think the the pitch was you know let, let's be honest it was atrocious, and um, I think had it not been a cup game in front of the cameras, maybe a more high profile a league game then that game wouldn't have taken place. And I think, um, you know, I went pit side after the game and it was incredibly soft. Um, moisture was coming up um, from the pitch, even when we were walking across it. It rained during the game. You know, we spoke to the guys setting up the sky cameras um, when we arrived. They'd been there at lunchtime and said the pitch was sort of largely underwater in the morning. Uh, the heavy rain stopped and they worked hard on the pitch. But, you know, there's very little grass. Um, you know, it's it looks to be a bit of a bog. And, um I think, you know, Matt Bloomfield was like, look, you know, we've got to get this game on, let's, let's get it on and, and let's see what happens. Um, Bradford have been really good at home of late and I think they play the pitch to their advantage. They're used to it. They play on it week in, week out and Wickham didn't play well at all. I'm not saying the pitch is an excuse for the poor performance because I, I thought Wickham were poor in, in terms of their performance last night. But resilient, Max Striek, superb. I thought Joe Lowe and Tafazoli uh, were dogged as well at the back and sometimes need to grind stuff out. Um, we've seen teams do it against us this season um, and it was nice to do it to somebody else and you know the late winner as well the icing on the cake um, Richard Kone made a great impact from the bench as did um, Matt Butcher obviously with a, with a fabulous strike and what a time to get your first goal for the club in front of the away fans as well um, lovely scenes the conditions must have been so challenging. There was a bit that I caught in the commentary which, which stood out. Probably doesn't stick out to anyone else, but I think it was uh, for the host and, and you were talking about that they were a free kick and you, and you said they placed the ball on a piece of mud. And I just thought, <laughs> I just thought that could have been anywhere on the pitch, couldn't it really? Well, yeah, the grass grass is a, is a, is a scarce commodity <laughs> on the pitch at Valley Parade. Um, and yeah, you know, it's the same for both sides, obviously, but, you know, Bradford do have the edge because they're, they're a bit more used to it. Um, but, you know, they um, they could feel very hard done by Bradford and, you know, hats off to everyone at the club. It was a fantastically warm welcome from the staff and stewards there. Uh, their fans really got behind their team and especially when the 91st minute goal went in, the Bradford fans reacted immediately and started getting behind behind their team straight away, which was great to see from their point of view. And, and obviously at the end, uh, it wasn't the result they were after. But we wish them all the best um, for the rest of the season. They're two points outside the playoffs now in, in League Two, along with a whole host of other teams. Um, if they perform like they did last night regularly, then, then who knows? They may end up at Wembley anyway. Great to have some really great insight from your co-commentator last night, who, who was great too. 
Yeah, Beverly Labala, first time on commentary, cup tied. So, um, you know, he was just pleased to be able to take part in the game in some capacity. Um, and more importantly, he's going to have fresh legs on Saturday for the game against Stevenage because obviously we sit down and do the commentary. And um, he, you know, he was great to hear his insight as well as well and he's settled in superbly at Wickham I think in terms of you know his attitude and, and, and uh, around the place and connecting with the other boys um, so yeah hopefully we can see him opening his account for Wickham very very soon he had that great chance to near against Oxford and hopefully a goal will come on Saturday at the Lamex. It does feel like a really tight turnaround but you get the impression that the, the players are all buoyed by by what happened last night. Look, that was a really, really heavy pitch. You know, fortunately, there's no extra time or anything like that or, you know, energy sapping penalties. Um, I think the fact that we won will help massively uh, in the recovery. I think, you know, a defeat after a long journey and, and a poor performance would have been would have been hard to take. But, you know, they stayed up in Bradford after the game, so they travelled down the day after. It's all about recovery now and, and getting uh, everybody fit and ready for what's going to be uh, another, I would imagine, quite brutal game at Stevenage. Their, their physical affairs, uh, they, it certainly was earlier on in the season. I'm guessing the pitch the pitch at the Lamex is, is slightly better than the one at Bradford, which will help. But look, Stevenage are in a sticky place at the moment. They're having a bit of a bump in the road and, you know, they've fallen just outside the top six. They've had a fabulous season up to now. We know it's going to be a tough game uh, and there's a score to settle for earlier in the season. No, absolutely. We're hoping that the conditions won't have too much of an impact because it must be quite hard. You mentioned last night in the commentary, Josh Gohm was taken off because obviously he's just coming back and it must be quite hard to you know, not literally get stuck in the mud. Well, yeah. I mean, it's hamstrings, isn't it? You know, running around on, on heavy pitches like that, you've got to manage loads of players and we've still got a long way to go in the season yet and you know there's some vital league games um, for Wickham Wanderers now before now and the final at Wembley on the 7th of April you know wouldn't it be great if we can put a run of results together between now and, and April and put some real distance between ourselves and the bottom four so we could really enjoy that day in April at Wembley. You know, you don't want to be looking over your shoulder going into that game. So there's an opportunity now, starting at Stevenage, to, to get some wins on the board in the league and, and hopefully get a run of form. And great to get a great result at Stevenage as well, especially considering, you know, what happened when, when they came to Adams Park. Look, yeah, like I said earlier on, that was a, that was a really tough game uh, for many, many reasons. Uh, Stevenage were clinical on the day. Um, you know, they, they got the goal and, and they saw it out and, and full credit to them. And like I said, they've had a really good season up to now. Uh, they are suffering a little bump in the road. Um, and, you know, Steve Evans has, has bemoaned some refereeing decisions that have gone against him, um, as do all managers, I, I guess. Um, but Wickham Wanderers can hopefully use that, that platform of Wednesday night uh, to get over the tired legs and, and put in a real good shift at, uh, at the Lamex. I'm sure there will be um, rotation um, and fresh legs um, and we'll see what happens. And hopefully, if it does feel like we say this a lot, but there's some big games coming up as well, but this hopefully will be the start of a great run which will see us climb the table. Yeah, you know, this, this is a couple of big games coming up now. Stephen is, and then we've got Cheltenham at home on Tuesday. Um, and, you know, that, that literally is three, three games inside a week because it's Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Um, and so that's going to be hard, uh, you know, to, to manage the load on that. We know that Cheltenham was a tough game as well at, at, at their place not that long ago, a few weeks ago. Uh, and since Cheltenham lost that game, they've put on a really good run of results and, and lifted themselves to the very edge of the, the relegation zone, which the start of the season they had was it's almost unthinkable. Um, so they're actually um, in a false position under Daryl Clark, and that's going to be a really, really tough game as well on Tuesday. Um, so, yeah, so it's important that we can recover and get themselves set um, and concentrated on the league now. Well, it's brilliant to speak to you. Enjoy the game on Saturday. I certainly will. Thank you, Colin. 
Uh, Phil, of course, he'll be bringing you ball-by-ball match commentary on Saturday up at Stevenage. He was at uh, Valley Parade last night. And, of course, don't forget you can hear more uh, of that chat with Matt Bloomfield on Wanderers TV. Uh, Luke, was at the Caledonian suite last night? I was Team team Caledonian. You were, br- you were wearing the home shirts. I was wearing the home shirts. Very good. That was much better. Well done. Uh, it looked, uh, just from the pictures, it sounded as well like a great atmosphere there. Oh, it really was. It was, I think, around 200 fans there, I believe. Um, and yeah, it was a um, some points a little bit more frostier than others. Oh, um, as there was, you know, it's well noted that possibly Wickham didn't play the best last night. Um, but the the moment that we scored and it's been in shared on social media and there's more of it in um, pretty much drills tonight uh, on Wanderers TV was excellent. Uh, look out for me running. Oh, that doesn't happen a lot. No, it's a rare uh, sight. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, th- every time you watch it, there is someone else that you spot that's reacting slightly differently and it's really nice and we've got the full-time reaction uh, and it all linked up with the commentary and uh, pictures from Luke Jarrett as well. I imagine there are a lot of the edges of seats used. Uh, yes, especially afterwards. I mean, there was a great... I mean, Max last night was absolutely on fire uh, and especially the save right before the full-time whistle. Uh, there was some. There was some moments where people were nearly passing out. It's great to get those um, images on social media as well, just of the dressing room afterwards and on the pitch too. Yeah, I think a lot of people last night, me included, felt like we were about a million miles away from Bradford. Um, And I think a lot of people spent last night, the players included, refreshing feeds um, to to try and get the latest photos. But yeah, great scenes. Well done to the chairboys. And uh, yeah, off to Wembley again. Very exciting. And some great other content on Wanderers TV and on the website as well. Uh, yeah, so pretty much Jules is out uh, late, well, at some point this evening. 40 minutes of content, including uh, the Eden halftime, uh, term activities even. Was there a halftime? It was a halftime. Phil made the exact same mistake as well and it was cut. So I <laughs> believe me, that happened. It's, it's catching. Um, so yeah, lots going up uh, and there's still plenty more to, to show from last night as well. And make sure you check out Wanderers TV for more details. Uh, the Wickham Wanderers show continues here on Wickham Sound. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Still to come on this week's edition of the Wickham Wanderers show, we'll hear from Matt Cecil, uh, head of I know, head of media and, and marketing uh, at the club too. We'll also catch up with Erin Patterson from Wickham Wanderers Women. Uh, her fans are in as well. Uh, played, it's the same person. Uh, played for the under-23s and also made a number of first-team appearances this season as well. But first, uh, we thanks to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association. We're very fortunate to get to catch up with uh, uh, many former Wanderers stars. But, of course, uh, with the FA Cup quarterfinals taking place uh, in just a few days' time, it uh, obviously uh, highlights a uh, particular FA Cup run in that competition back in 2001, which Chris Vinnicum played in. Uh, fantastic to catch up with the defender and get his memories of his time at the club. I think he came down for a trial um, originally because I left uh, Burnley. Um, and then came down and uh, Neil Smiley was manager at the time and he offered me down for um, I think it was down for a couple of weeks a couple of weeks trial to play sort of games in pre-season one of the games I sort of missed because I became ill just before kickoff. I think I got a high temperature and I couldn't play that game um, but there was you know sort of uh, several more games over the next sort of week and a half that, that I could sort of play and, um, and he wanted to sign me in the end so I was there for, did they, four, four and a half years, maybe. And you did have a really interesting sort of football journey before you coming to the club as well, of course. Yes, yeah. Um, obviously going from Exeter City when I, when I first started playing to uh, Glasgow Rangers, playing with um, Chris Woods in goal, Terry Butcher, Nigel Spackman, who went on to play for Liverpool, 
Mark Walters, Liverpool, Mark Haitley up front. It was a good experience for me being so young, playing with those sort of experienced players. But, you know, it's uh, you sort of make the move being young. Um, I didn't play that many games, but, you know, for me to sort of, you know, get the experience off those players was, you know, sort of vital to, to my career, I guess. And then I went to Burnley. They just got promoted to what is the championship uh, nowadays. And I had a, a couple of nasty injuries there. I broke my jaw uh, playing against Reading for, for Burnley. And I actually broke my leg at Wickham playing for Burnley. Yeah, so coming back to Wickham, yeah, after breaking my leg at, you know, for Burnley there was, um, you know, I'd obviously, you know, been on that pitch before, you know, so I, I knew what the stadium was like and, you know, what the fans could be like. It really felt like you settled in really quickly and soon established yourself as well in, in the heart of the defence. Yes, um, you know, obviously, you know, Neil Smiley wanted to sign me and, you know, get me into the team as, as sort of quickly as possible. It was a massive, you know, boost for myself and, you know, for the for the club and the fans, really, because, you know, for, for me to sort of come to a, a sort of, um, you know, a progressing, growing club, um, you know, I wanted to, to sort of, you know, make the make the fans realise that, you know, I'm there playing for the for the fans and the club and, you know, the, the, the sort of my fellow sort of teammates and, and the manager as well, um, you know, wanting to, to get the best out of, you know, myself and my teammates um, and, you know, sort of get us to, you know, sort of hopefully glory days, which, you know, we, we sort of reached the semi-final of the, of the FA Cup, which was, which was nice. No, absolutely. And it felt like, you know, Neil wasn't in charge for too long. That must have been quite disappointing for you, being, you know, the manager who brought you to the club. Yes, you know, football football's a funny funny old game, really. Um, you know, especially as a manager. You know, you can be in a job, you know, one day and out of out the job the next. So, um, you know, for for him to sign me was, you know, a, you know, I thank him for that. And then obviously, um, you know, Laurie Sanchez came in um and sort of, you know, stamped his authority on the on the team and if you continue, you know, it doesn't matter who's who's sort of in charge, you know, whether the manager stays for a week or two years or three years or six months, you've got to keep doing what you're doing on the pitch. You know, don't worry about who's taking charge or anything like that, as long as you're you're performing and doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, it was just a shame that he, Neil didn't stay longer. And obviously you had some great characters in the, in the team around that time with you as well. Yes, yeah. Uh, some very strong characters, some sort of characters that have you know, been there uh, for a while. Steve Brown, um, obviously Martin Taylor was a, was a goalkeeper. Um, you got Rhino, Keith Ryan, um, who's the captain. So, yeah, it was, you know, whatever club you go to, you, you've always got, you know, characters and sort of, you know, people that, that, that sort of, you know, make you laugh and, you know, sort of give you support and, and everything like that. So, yeah, it was a, it was a good time for myself. So you've got the, the FA Cup quarterfinals coming up next week. Does that kind of really sort of prick your, your memory every every time that, that comes around, especially with, with that run that you're involved with? Yes, every time, you know, the FA Cup, you know, comes around this time of year, it, it sort of, you know, brings back the memories of, you know, what, what Wickham Wanderers did, you know, leading up to the to the semi-final against Liverpool um, and those sort of memorable games that we had. You know, what sticks out for me is Roy Essendo scoring the winner against Leicester, finding him on teletext which was a dream for him. Um, and then obviously the the Wimbledon game where it went to penalties and we're having to sort of, you know, get through on those on those penalties. I think it was 8-7, eight, eight, I, I do believe, to Wickham that night. 
No, absolutely. And just the, so, so many kind of aspects of that run as well, even, you know, earlier rounds against like the likes of Grimsby and that, it must have felt, you know, at the time that you, you were capable of something quite special. Yes. Um, you know, obviously, you know, sort of winning the early rounds, you you sort of, you know, hope that you, you get to the next round and, and sort of beat the team in front of you. Um, you know, obviously we had that, you know, fantastic run that, that led us to the semi-final. And, you know, those, those games are, are sort of, you know, one-off games, anything can happen. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're top of the league or bottom of the league. The FA Cup is, is special in so many ways. And I remember, so, you know, it's obviously talked about around the town and everyone's so much looking forward to the, the semi-final at Villa Park and, of course, uh, Rhino's goal as well. It was just such a, a brilliant occasion. Yeah, it was. It's just a, just a shame that we, we didn't score that goal earlier. We we might have, you know, put a little bit more pressure on Liverpool and, you know, maybe, you know, snuck, a, snuck an equaliser late on. But, um, you know, for, for sort of, you know, Rhino to score late on, uh, it didn't give us much time to, to, to try and get another one, which was a shame. And even in the quarterfinals, well, such drama with you know Laurie being sent off and, and Roy getting that late goal, as you say, after being found on after an appeal on on telly. So there's, there's so much interest around the club and and you know kind of very sort of Wickham-esque journey, really. Yes, when you know when things like that happen and and you sort of you know watch it on sort of match of the day, you know you see obviously like Laurie getting sent off and and Roy scoring the winner and you know everybody sort of celebrate celebrating with the fans after. You know that's what it's about. It's for it's for the fans as well as as well as the the sort of players and and the club as a whole. But you know the fans don't get to see many sort of semi-finals or finals very often. No, absolutely, because it must have been great for you as well to be part of that team, but also you know to see the team go on into the playoff finals and you know obviously getting up into the championship as well. Yes, yes, definitely. You know, you know that's that's everybody's dream to play as high as they can uh, and get to get to the levels that you know of of the Premiership. You know, being sort of Wickham Wanderers, you know, they've done fantastic to get to the championship on, I should imagine, probably one of the smallest budgets that would have been in the in the championship at the time. It's just a shame that they couldn't you know, sort of stay in the championship and sort of build from there, really. No, absolutely. And so great that you're able to, you know, as I say, get so established at the club and, and make that number three shirt your own. And, and, you know, I'm sure you couldn't have imagined at the time you'd have been making over 250 appearances. No, no, you always, you know, hope that, you know, you don't get any injuries or anything like that and you and you stay a regular in the team and make it, like you say, as many as many appearances as you can over your time that you spend there. So for me to sort of do that for the club was, you know, um, you know, I'm sort of proud of that because, you know, sort of other, other clubs, I, you know, sort of had several injuries along the way, which, which put me out for, for quite a bit of time. So, um, you know, my time at sort of Wickham was, even though it was coming towards the end of my career, it was probably... I'd say probably one of the, the best times of, of my career. And are there any other standout games or occasions that, that really come to mind uh, during your time at the club? No, not really. I, I can remember scoring a scoring a goal, scoring a worldie at uh, Adams Park. I'm sure it was against possibly Sheffield United or Brentford, maybe. I can't remember. But yeah, but one one memory that stands out: we played. Uh, I remember playing Middlesbrough in the in the cup, um, and Paul Gascoigne was playing. And he was just running around the pitch, just taking the mickey out of people. And I found that so funny, but he was such a fantastic player. You know, whenever you were near him, he would like, you know, take the mickey out of you, you know, and, and sort of stuff like that and just make you laugh. And then when he was on the ball, he was, he was unbelievable. You couldn't get near him. So, you know, that, that sort of stands out for me. But, um, yeah, no, my time at, you know, my time at Wickham is, you know, very memorable. 
you know, like I say, especially the the, the sort of the cup run, um, that sort of really sticks in my mind. And how did you find it playing under the different managers? Because obviously you were, were there for such a while, as you say, Neil brought you in, and there, there was Laurie, and, and Terry Evans obviously took over for a bit, and John Gorman as well. Yes, like uh, like I say, as long as you know, as long as I was doing okay on the pitch, and you know the the, the short management team was seeing that, um, you know, it, it's you know that's something that that that's out of you know all the players' hands. Whoever comes in to take charge, so you know whoever comes in they have their favourites they, they sort of you know they pick the team so if you're seen to be doing what you're supposed to be doing then there's no reason why you don't stay in the team if you're sort of you know not not being shown on a training pitch or whatever what you're supposed to be doing um, and you're not at 100% and they're not going to play you you know it was just the same when, when Tony Adams came in and took over um, it's just a shame that he tried to make us like Arsenal and, and you know when we weren't like Arsenal and that's what sort of uh, made the team a little bit worse because he just came in thinking he could do it and you know with the players that we that we had in the squad we weren't strong enough to to sort of adjust to that how quickly he wanted us to if he had sort of stayed there for a couple of seasons and and sort of ground it into us how you know Arsenal played or how he wanted us to play like Arsenal then maybe it would have worked out for him but you know it's just it's just one of those things a manager will turn up and be brilliant and the team he picks will be fantastic. But then another manager will turn up if, and he'll try and do things and they just don't work. Um, and I feel that's what happened with, with sort of Tony Adams. It was especially disappointing his fans as well because yeah. they felt like there was a real sort of clear-out, wasn't there, after the, after the relegation? And, and obviously disappointing for yourself too because that, that, that was the time that you went also. Yes, yeah. Obviously, you know, with you know everything that, that sort of goes on, you know, football... Football's like that, you know. You could be at a club one day, and then the next week you could, you know, you could be at the door because of you know cutbacks or because the manager doesn't want you in his squad um, or anything, anything like that. But you know, um, yeah, it was a shame. But um, you know, I was coming towards the end of my career then anyway, so I was 34, uh, I think, when I when I left there, 2004, I came back. Yeah, so yeah, but you know. Whatever club I've been at, you know, since my I sort of started my football career, it, 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 there's always been good memories and you know, sort of players I've played against and played with, and you know, so you know, I've you know, sort of um, it, it'd be something to tell, tell my grandchildren when they grow up a bit bigger, um, you know, that um, you know, everything that that sort of granddad has done uh, through his football career, um, and the the memories that I've got that are around the house really that they can sort of, you know, keep when I'm long gone. Does it feel like 20 years ago? I was quite shocked to to, see, to read that it was 2004 that you left. It feels like so much more recently, but, but perhaps to you it feels like a long time ago. Yeah, it does feel like a long time ago. You know, when you say 2004 and you think it's now 2024, that is a long time. Yeah, so I'm 54 this year. So, yeah, it is, um, yeah, it is a long time. <laughs> it's, it's frightening, isn't it? How quickly, quickly time goes. And obviously, you went you went back to the southwest, which is, which is kind of where you're based now, and, and enjoyed kind of the the latter stages of your career, and, and did some coaching after playing as well. Yes, yeah, so I ended up uh, playing for Tiverton Town for I think it was like three seasons, and then I went back to Mexico City for for a season just to help out their their sort of youngsters uh, that were in and around the squad, um, and then I came out of there. And then I went into sort of for a little bit and just just kept playing, done some coaching for 
Arsenal, who were down in the southwest, and then it changed to Southampton. So I've done some sort of coaching for them down in the area, as well as being a PE teacher. Now I'm working because COVID hit. I had to change my job, and now I'm working for Southwest Water. So I'm a manager at Southwest Water. Oh, fantastic. Well, hopefully you're enjoying it and you're, you're, you're healthy and your family as well. We had um, Andy Rammel on the show recently, you might be aware of him. He, uh, he was saying that he doesn't, doesn't sort of watch football as much now. I guess some, some players, you know, they, they like to watch it and some players, you know, just kind of move, move away from the game. No, I was telling John, like, if I was injured or anything like that, I hated watching football in the stand because I just felt like I, I wanted to get out of there. So any, any sort of live game that I was watching, it was just like, I don't really want to want to watch this, but... Um, you know, some some people do like watching it, and some people don't. Um, they'd rather be playing, which I was one of those. But I do watch. I do watch the Premiership games on the telly, and then obviously watch you know sort of match of the day and you know sort of the FA Cup games when they're on, just to see like the little sides that you know are, are trying to do well in it. And do certain things really take you back to times in your career? For example, I was watching a lot of the um, Africa Cup of Nations games and, and certainly a lot of the latter stages ones went to penalties and, and do you often you know, think of the penalty you scored, for example, against Wimbledon or you know, other particular you know, goals that you've scored, obviously as a defender, not too many, but, but goals that, you, that really stand out or you know, if something happens in a game, you think, oh, I, I remember when, that, when I went through something similar to that. Yeah, my wife Paula, like whenever football's on, she she like says, "Oh, I can remember when you scored a goal like that," or <laughs> you know, she's saying you know sort of things like that. Um, you know, they, that that player just dies, and like, do you remember that tackle you did for you know up, up in Scotland that was on sort of sports scene at the time, but it was a bit like match of the day up there, where where the where the opening clips were me virtually doing a two footed tackle on one of the players. But nowadays, you wouldn't obviously you wouldn't get away with that, um, but sort of. You know, back in sort of my early days, it was like you know you could go around kicking people and get away with it. Is it really nice to kind of reflect on on your career, as you say, with your wife or grandchildren in the future, and just say, oh, you know, I, I played in, in the FA Cup, or I played at, at Ibrox, or you know, just the, I played for England under twenty ones. Just some of the things that you, you did, and perhaps at the time you didn't really sort of think, oh, these are, these are really great things. No, you don't. You know, obviously, you know, because you're you're sort of constantly playing football, you don't think about you know the future and and what you can celebrate. But you know, I've got you know, I've got all the uh, the sort of memorabilia and shirts from you know me playing football at, at all my clubs. So you know, whenever my grandchildren are old enough, and I can you know get them out and show them this is what granddad played this for England and stuff like that. Uh, you know, they'll only recognise when they're growing up the players that are at the time. So in another sort of ten years time, because Lacey's three in August. She'll be, you know, in ten years' time when she's thirteen, she'll be. She might be wanting to support Exeter City and going to watch Exeter City, and only be only known those players that are playing sort of at the time, um, and just be recognising some of the players that are in the Premiership. Because I'm sure in ten years' time there'll be, you know, it'll be all changed in all clubs for you know all the top players. Who knows what division Exeter will be in by then? Well, <laughs> who's to say? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, in ten years' time, Wickham will be in the Premiership. <laughs> who's to say? No, absolutely, it's incredible, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine the, you know what, what direction the club could go in, or who a manager could be, or what players they could sign. It must be really exciting as well. I guess, especially players who who are playing in your position, that you know, to see how how well they're doing, especially youngsters. Yes, yeah, you know, it's you know, it's always nice to to sort of see. You know, players that you that you play with at clubs that go on and progress 
to the maximum they can get to. And you know, if they play higher, you always like keep an eye on them and you know see how they see how they're getting on. You know, nowadays there's you know so many youngsters in the game that are trying to break into to the first teams in 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 all clubs. You know, and even at you know when I was coaching for Southampton, you know I I could you know sort of see potential in in sort of 11, 12, 13 year olds and. You know, I sort of keep an eye on the clubs that they're at now and just see, you know, whether they are breaking into to the first teams because that that was like six, seven years ago. So the thirteen-year-olds are probably coming up nineteen, twenty now, and they would be possibly breaking into the teams that they they were signed for. So I always look out for for the odd player that I recognise names and see if they they have managed to sort of break into the the professional game. And just finally, how do you reflect overall on your time at the club? Because it was a, it was a fantastic spell and you know a real favourite with the fans as well. You must have really enjoyed your time there. I loved it there, if I'm honest. You know, the the fans were great. I can remember being fans player of the year. Um, you know, which was you know which was great from my point of view because it sort of showed that, that the fans appreciated me and and what I was doing on the pitch to try and try and win things and try and you know get get Wickham up the leagues and 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 stuff like that. So. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it um, at Wickham. So I thank everybody at the club, you know, that was there at the time. Actually, John said that, that he'd say hello to Alan Hutchinson. Certainly, uh, certainly a memorable time for me coming towards the end of my career. I thank everybody and, and all the fans for what they they sort of supported me through and supported me with. Really, well, it's been a real pleasure to catch up with you. Really great to, to share your memories and really appreciate your time. No problem at all. Fantastic to catch up with Chris Vinnikin. Um I remember when I started in local radio, it was just when he signed for the club. Uh, some sad news to report from the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association as well. Uh, we send our condolences to the family of Josephine, who's the wife of club director David Cook, who sadly died at the age of 78 after battles with cancer. Uh, she was a personal friend of uh, JDT and his family as well and uh, he's described her as an unassuming ally to us at the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association and supported her husband in all his long hours of work for the club. Uh, you can find more words on that on the Ex-Players Association Facebook page and also on the Wickham Wanderers website as well. Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Final part of this week's Wickham Wanderer show still to come. We'll hear from Matt Sessler, who we spoke to on this morning's mid-morning uh, about some behind-the-scenes news of last night's coverage. Oh, spooky. wasn't Halloween. Of uh, <laughs> uh, last night's game up at Bradford. Uh, or, um, I forgot where I was going with that. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Uh, anyway, more on that uh, shortly. Uh, but first, we're regularly following Wickham Wanderers women. Not long of their season to go. I think it's only four more games and uh, possibly only one more at home as well. Uh, I've been speaking to a number of their players uh, and recently we've caught up with a couple of the youngsters who've progressed from the under-23s uh, right up to the first team. One of those uh, is Erin Patterson, who, uh, as you can imagine, is uh, pleased to have stepped up. Do you know what? I've actually really enjoyed it. It's been a massive step up, so... From my previous club, I feel like I've stepped into proper adult football, which has been really good for me. I feel like I've matured as a player and kind of seen different aspects that I never really had before. I've been really enjoying it. So what would you say have been the main differences? So obviously I play mostly for the under-23s, but that's in a women's league. So it stepped up from playing with girls my age to play against women who take this seriously, who have a full-time job outside of football. And it's, it's really interesting to see like the dedication people are willing to put into it and I really enjoy that. And have you noticed the development of your own game as well in that time? Yeah, 100%. I think at the start of the season I was probably not as confident because obviously joining a new club but I've definitely become more confident and more 
like hold myself a bit stronger because you kind of have to. Like obviously, I play as a defender. Any little mistake can cost you, so I've got to kind of be on it. I've learned from Maka and Carl and Dan my body positioning, which is obviously really important as a defender. And I think just little things like that has really built up my play. And have you been quite pleased to be able to show versatility by playing in different positions? Because I know predominantly you're, you're a centre-back, but you played at left-back as well. Yeah, do you know what? I've really enjoyed it because it's given me different perspectives. I never really kind of wanted to play left or right-back, but obviously that's the nature of the game. You just kind of have to go where it takes you. And I've really enjoyed it. You know, it's a lot more running, <laughs> but it's, yeah, no, it's been good. And could you see yourself moving? Perhaps if someone suggested to you, have you considered midfield or, you know, perhaps a bit further forward? I wouldn't mind playing a central defending midfielder. I played that a couple of seasons ago, but I'm quite happy staying at the back. I think it gives me a lot of really good vision of the field. I can see where everything is and I'm quite comfortable with that. I think going up forward might cause mayhem, to be honest. <laughs> And what's your kind of overall view of how, especially what the first team's been doing? Because you, you've been, you know, fortunate enough to play in the first team and especially in the game against Bournemouth as well. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I've been really lucky, I think. Well, not necessarily lucky. I've obviously put the work in in training, but I'm really happy to have been a part of the first team. The girls are so lovely. They've been really accommodating of me and all the other 23 players. Because at the end of the day, what the club wants to make the first team the best and they've all been really supportive with it. I think it's definitely raised my levels training of the first team as well. Even some of the 18th have been playing for the first team. They've been playing with us and it's definitely a clear kind of, as you said, pathway up until the first team. And then you kind of feel like you've made it. Like everyone's a lot more serious, I'd say, in the first team. They want the same goals and been training with the first team as well kind of allows that pathway to run a lot smoother so, yeah, I've been enjoying it. It's been good. It seems so inclusive, doesn't it? Like the first team are really keen, you know, supporting the under-18s or, you know, can can really, I guess, give advice and, and, and inspire, you know, the under-23s and, and similar back yeah, the other way as well. Yeah, definitely. I've had a few of the first team, obviously, settling in. Like um, Chelsea and Ash, they've been really good just kind of helping me, just telling me how it is not kind of, babying me or anything they've just kind of told me how it is how I can better my game which is really good it feels as well like it's sort of impossible to feel new as well because you you kind of get welcomed straight away and really settle and fit in yeah most definitely I feel like there's been new players during the season come in and they fit in really quickly it doesn't feel like they're new or anything everyone just kind of gets along and gets on with it and does it feel like for yourself a really good time to be where you are in your career, I guess? Because, you know, to some you always seem very, very young, but I guess to a lot of people as well, they kind of look up to you and would like to be kind of at the stage you're at too. Yeah, it's, I think it's really good. I'm really happy in the place that I am. Obviously, I feel like, as I said, it's kind of moving in adults that we can see the club wanting to grow. And I think that's really exciting. I'm really looking forward to continue playing for Wickham. And just with the, you know, the popularity of women's football generally, it must be a great feeling to be part of it. Oh, definitely. I literally can't talk enough about the growing game. I went to Arsenal-Man United game at the Emirates the other day. Oh, wow. And it was like record attendance. And you can just kind of feel the buzz of everyone just there to see these players. And it's, it's amazing. I love it. Even watching them on the TV, like during the Euros and the World Cup, honestly, I, I was crying at the Euros final. <laughs> 
And do you sort of take things away from watching them? Because I, and I tell this story quite a bit, but I got to see um, the Wicked Wonders women when they played at Adams Park uh, for their cup, yeah. and there were some young girls quite near me, and they were kind of really watching what the players were doing and said, so we need to yeah. take that into our training for our, our teams. Yeah, well, definitely. When I, as I said, I went to the Arsenal Man United game, I was watching the defenders and seeing what they did well, what I thought, oh, my coach would say to do this. Do you know what I mean? Trying to kind of incorporate that into my game. No, definitely. And what are your hopes finally for the, the remainder of the season? Because there's, there's not many games left now in terms of the first no, team, also the yeah. under-23s as well. Yeah, I think my next game for the 23s is the 10th of March, which is quite a while away. I think I'm just going to try, hopefully win the rest of the games with the 23s, try and get as high up as we can in the table. I, I'm not sure if, whether we can make first still, but I think we've got a good chance of like, getting second or third. Um, and the same with the first team, I hopefully continue to work hard in training, continue to get picked for the first team, and then with the best outcome as possible. And do you set yourself goals, like things you'd like to achieve between now and the remainder of the season or overall in the season? Yeah, I think I definitely in the overall of the season, like however many goals I'd like to score or clean sheets or whatever. For the rest of the season, I just, I've not got any specific targets, but I think just to work hard in training, to be honest, that's the most important thing to me. And what's it like balancing you know, everything you do kind of outside of football with, with obviously training and playing as well? It's not so much of a balance. I think football definitely lets me kind of breathe a bit, um, get a run about, and then obviously I get tired, so I always get a good night's sleep. Um, but yeah, no, everyone's quite supportive of it at school. They all know that I play football and everyone's aware of it, that obviously I've got this commitment at work. They know I play football, so I have this commitment. And yeah, everyone's really accommodating of it. It's, it's not too hard, but if I ever need support, it's always there. Uh, great chatting to Erin. Uh, don't believe Shelley Seventeen though uh, speaks far too well. What? <laughs> Very impressive. Yeah. Wish well done, Erin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well I done. still can't talk that good. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've been working on it for years. Yeah, I know. Uh, tell us who the chair girls have next. Uh, they are playing uh, Ascot United FC on the 25th of February at 2 o'clock. Uh, it's the penultimate home game of the season. And we wish them much luck for that. Yes, we do. Look forward to chatting to more chair girls uh, in the coming weeks as well. Uh, just to let you know, on this morning's mid-morning, we spoke to Matt Cecil, who's the, uh, well, you might well know already, he's the head of media and marketing. And if you're listening to the commentary of Phil last night, you'll know that last time he was at Valley Parade, he slipped over. <laughs> so was the mud. Uh, I'm pleased to report that didn't happen again. I'm pleased to confirm that there was no slipping over at uh, Valley Parade. Um, I was extra careful, but you know it was genuinely, as some of the players were saying, one of the worst pitches they've ever encountered, uh, even those that have played non-league football. And I think we realised as soon as we got there that this game might not go to form. It might not be a vintage footballing performance. It was going to be a case of who adapted best to the conditions. And when we got there, there was concern about whether the game would go ahead or not. So, um, you know, to get from that point to where we are now was a, a bit of a bumpy road. But, um, yeah, thankfully, no uh, trousers were harmed in the making of this adventure. <laughs> it was fascinating to get Beverly's insight as well, listening to the commentary, because he was saying that, you know, Matt Bloomfield had said to them before about, you know, not, not passing back too much to Max because the conditions would be so tricky. Yeah, and that's, you know, so... We got there and the, and the referee had concerns about two areas of the pitch. Um, I think that was being generous because, you know, the whole pitch really was, was sodden. It was uh, muddy. There was sand in some areas. And you know, his, his main take on it was that it wasn't a concern about player safety. You know, with frozen pitches, you get concerns of players, you know, slipping and, and having bad injuries. It wasn't so much player safety. It was just going to be the detriment of the game as a spectacle. Matt's approach was 
we're here to play some football. There was no doubt, you know, any, I think doubts create some uncertainty amongst the squad and amongst the coaching staff. So it was, no, we're going to play whatever the pitch is like. We've made the journey. We've got a busy schedule coming up. We're in the right frame of mind for a game of football, so let's have one. Um, and with that comes, you know, as Beverly alluded to, how do we make this to our advantage? You know, how can we play the pitch? What do we need to do to make the most of it? There will be mistakes. There will be people slipping. So how do we try and maximise that? Um, you could argue perhaps it wasn't, you know, the best of Wickham Wanderers' performances and, and probably Bradford did adapt better to the conditions and, and you have to commend them for what was a, a fantastic performance. But ultimately, we got the result we wanted. And, you know, you and I have had a good few chats like this down the years of, you know, the morning after chats of, of glorious nights in the history of Wickham Wanderers. We're off to Wembley Stadium for a fourth time in 10 years, having waited, I think, 21 years um, you know, to get there between 94 and, and 2015. So these are golden years at Wickham Wanderers uh, and how we get there, um, you know, such as the game at MK Dons where we were battening down the hatches and keeping them at bay. And, and similar last night, those will be forgotten about when we're walking out at Wembley shoulder to shoulder with an excellent Peter Preside uh, with hopefully a healthy number of Wickham fans to cheer us on and we can have a, a wry smile at the, you know, at how we got there maybe. But yeah, fantastic night. Uh, and one that everyone should be proud of. And I'm sure really uh, hard work, but but really rewarding as well for, for yourself uh, to getting the information out to, to fans last night as well and sharing all those those images and quotes. And those dressing room scenes are fantastic to see as well. Yeah, loads more to come as well. The uh, the internet wasn't too healthy for us down the M6. So uh, And also, you know, people have gone to bed. So there's only so much you can put out in the middle of the night. But, um, yeah, you know, these are the scenes that, that the people want to see and we have to pinch ourselves and remind ourselves that, you know, those of us who work for the club, myself and Phil, uh, Luke, our videographer who was up there with us, Andy, our photographer who's been with us now for 10 years as well. You know, they're deeply ingrained in the club. They care about the fans, the players, the people around it. And for them to be at the epicentre of it, on the pitch, in the changing room, capturing the scenes and sharing them with thousands of fans is a real special privilege for us. So, um, yeah, great to be amongst it and, and even better to see all of the responses from fans, to see the videos coming in from Adams Park of the celebrations, you know, and, and speaking to the players afterwards and seeing the genuine joy on their faces. For many of them, this is going to be a first time at Wembley. Some of them, like Matt Butcher, have got unfinished business, having been on the losing end last season in the final. So, uh, you know, all of these stories and, and all of these images and videos, we've now got six weeks, really, to, to rejoice in and, and, and get ourselves ready for Wembley. And there must be so much work going on behind the scenes as well to, to prepare for that game, too. Yeah, and of course, you know, the obvious question is, when can I get a ticket? How much are tickets? What end are we going to be in? What kit are we going to be in? It's all being worked on. We're in, in close dialogue with the EFL, with Wembley, with Peterborough. We're looking at early next week for the announcement, really, of, you know, at least the headline details. We fully expect and, and are planning that we will be selling the tickets rather than using a third party, which most clubs do at Wembley. We did it two years ago in the playoff final to great success. It gives us so much more flexibility uh, it gives fans option to choose their own seat. So, you know, fantastic work from our ticketing department to be getting that ready. So they are beavering away now knowing that we will be at Wembley Stadium and as soon as we've got information, we shall share it. So, yeah, the hard work is underway. But unlike the playoffs where you have two weeks to prepare, we have six weeks. So uh, it gives us time to really think out how we can maximise the opportunity ticketing-wise, retail-wise, and about anything, just engaging with as many supporters as possible and exciting them into a day out at Wembley, whether they're regular Wickham fans or, or just come along to one or two a season. You know, this is a game where we should really be looking to empty High Wickham for a day, get on board the Chiltern Railway down to Wembley and have a day out. 
and perhaps wait a long time to get the train back. Um, but <laughs> it is a, yeah. it, it's a great opportunity to, to drum up support. Oh, apologies, done a terrible pun there. Um, but also, also, um, it must be great for the for the manager as well. After after twelve months in 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 charge, to to or, or actually on on the day of his twelve months in charge as well, to having led the club as as captain at Wembley and then to be going as a manager as well. Yeah, and I think we just had a hunch that something special was going to happen on the anniversary. Um, you know, once we realised the dates coincided. And, and look, you know, it's, it's no secret over the last three months there have been some pretty difficult times with results, uh, fan unrest, you know, injuries and suspensions and, and not being able to get the best 11 together and refereeing decisions going against us. And, and Matt's got a very positive outlook. You know, after games, he, you know, he can be quite stern and, and he, you know, he takes everything so much to heart because he's a very intense and passionate and caring guy. But, you know, when we've reflected on it, when we've been away from the, you know, the, the cut and thrust of a match day, We've, we've really looked longer term and, and putting all of his plans into place and accepting these aren't going to be overnight changes. You know, managers need time to embed themselves and, and everything they want to achieve and their values into a club. And we've said, you know, let's um, let's look down the line into what success will look like once we come out of this bump. You know, we'll be able to look back at Barnsley away with the Max Strieck incident and Morecambe at home in the FA Cup and almost have a wry grin of thinking, do you remember those bumps on the road to success? Uh, every manager has them and you know, I think what's been quite nice is that this trophy has just been little bright lights in some dark times, really. Um, you know, after the, the bleak day against Stevenage with the injuries and, and all the kind of ill feeling that came around that game the following week, we beat Wimbledon in the trophy. After uh, the game against Fleetwood, where you know, the first-half performance was completely unacceptable against the team bottom of the league and there was a lot of fan unrest, four days later we beat Brighton 4-1 in this trophy. And I think these games have kind of punctuated our season whereby they've just been able to instill a bit of feel-good factor, some morale, some goals, putting some smiles on the faces of the boys. And I think that's just helped keep everyone's spirits up. And it now culminates in a day out at Wembley. And you're right, from Matt Bloomfield, who's been there before as a player, as a captain, as a coach, now to be going back there as manager, he's going to be the proudest man in the country that day. And, uh, and he deserves it. And I think as well there's a real chance that this, this cup run and, and this, this success can be a real tonic for the remaining games of the season as well. Yeah, you know, we're, we're kind of in that, you know, the, the space in the middle of the table at the moment where, you know, the playoffs look a long stretcher away. Um, you know, a few results ago, people were looking over their shoulders at, at downwards in the table. You know, we just want to put as many points on the board and, and have a strong end to the season. Uh, and see where it gets us. And having this cup run alongside us, you know, I don't think will be a distraction. I think the two will complement each other. Um, it will put a spring in the step of people. Nobody wants a season that peters out with six weeks to go and you're just playing for you know, a couple of league positions, really. You know, we like the cut and thrust of, of real competitive football. And I think you know, the cup run in itself will just draw more attention to the club. And, and that's what it's about, is about giving our fans special moments to look to. And the fans that we we pick up along the way are going to want to come down to Adams Park and see what we're about. It's not just about Wembley Stadium. It's about taking these boys to heart and, and these performances and, and the atmosphere of being around with the Wanderers. So, you know, we've got some exciting games to look forward to here. Portsmouth, Derby still to come here. We've got to go to Reading down the road in a few weeks' time. Um, you know, some real standout fixtures that will be exciting ones to be involved in. And then there'll be that, that blot on the horizon that will get closer and closer as we get towards Wembley Stadium in April. And it's been really nice to see what the club's doing off the pitch as well, especially you know with half-term, there's Joe and Jasper who are at the Eden Centre and, and Joe's been, and other players as well have been at the Foundation's uh, half-term activities as well. 
yeah, it's you know it's just absolutely integral to our success. Um, you know, there's 30 footballers and, and 10 coaching staff that can um, you know really make a difference on the pitch, but those of us off the pitch have to look at what we can do to make this club a success. And at the heart of that is being in the community and and being involved with our supporters, not just being an entertainment thing for them to come and watch. You know, we're not just a TV show and we're not just a 90 minutes football on a Saturday, but we are deeply entrenched in our community. The foundation do so much wonderful work and the players, when they can get out, you know, they do have busy training schedules. It's not possible to get them, um, you know, out and about everywhere. But when we get these opportunities, particularly during half term, we want to make the most of them. And it is still, you know, my dear old age, still really heartwarming to see faces running back to their parents when they've got Joe Jacobson signing their shirt or having a photo with them and cherishing them. There's a wonderful photo I saw last night of a young girl in the away end who received Gareth McCleary's shirt. She went to sleep wearing it. You know, let's realise the impact that Wickham Wanderers and its players can have on people. She's going to remember that night for the rest of her life. I can remember my day as a mascot here at Wickham Wanderers back in 95, 96, I think it was, you know, like it was yesterday. And uh, these experiences that this club can create are really special and we should never lose sight of that. No, absolutely. And of course, no, no loss for Gareth, who really needs a shirt anyway. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think, you know, he's petitioning to just start a game but not wearing a shirt, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's a... Uh, doesn't mind giving those away. Matt Sassel speaking to us earlier this morning here on Wickham Sound. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget the Steelers game live from three, uh, build up from two here on Wickham Sound and on Wanderers TV. Enjoy the rest of your week. Come on, you blues!